Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Riccia, and this is episode number 155 of the podcast. It's the 18th of December, 2018, as I record this intro. This week on the podcast, I have a wonderful conversation with Missy Willis. Missy is an unschooling mom and host of the website, Let Em Go Barefoot, where she shares her personal experiences, thoughts, and research around unschooling. In the episode, we dive into her journey from getting her master's in special ed all the way to unschooling, what she means by the phrase ego schooling, how jumping in to help our children may actually get in their way, her favorite things about their unschooling days right now, and lots more. As a personal update, I just finished recording five podcast calls in four days, and I'm on an unschooling high. I'm so excited to share these conversations with you over the next few weeks. And Lissy's coming home for the holidays in four days, so that's keeping me focused now on the things I'd love to have wrapped up so we can all sink into some family fun together. Just a heads up, next week I've put together another compilation episode for you, with 12 different guests sharing their answers to the question, what has surprised you most so far about how unschooling has unfolded in your lives? I hope you enjoy it. And as always, I want to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work like this podcast and my website through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And with that, let's get to my conversation with Missy. Welcome, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Missy Willis. Hi, Missy. Hello, Pam. Hello. Missy is an unschooling mom and host of the website Let Em Go Barefoot, where she shares her personal experiences, thoughts, and research around unschooling. I've really enjoyed reading around her blog, and I'm excited to dive into her experience. So to get us started, Missy, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Sure. So I am um, mom to two kids. I have a 16-year-old and an 11-year-old, um, a boy and a girl. Um, my husband and I have been married for a very long time. Um, I think it's 21 years. <laughs> We've been together since high school, actually. Wow. Um, yeah, and then um, we live in Charlotte and have for... Um, Let's see, I grew up here, and then I left for a while to go to college in Raleigh, and then we moved back in 2001, and we have not left. You like the area. We do. We do enjoy it here. I never thought I would actually settle down back in Charlotte. I'm not really sure why. I think part of me after I left and went off to college was that 
I would start my life in another, you know, location away from family and do my own thing. But family drew me back and the area has grown so much and it's really homeschool friendly. Um, and we have so many great friends and family here. So we stay put. And now my kids are so adjusted to it that they would never even entertain the idea of leaving. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's nice that you've got a, a good homeschooling community too. So how yeah, did you... Yeah. How did you discover unschooling then? Like, was this something homeschooling and unschooling? Was that something you knew about before you had kids? And so what did your family's journey to unschooling look like? Yeah, we did not know about unschooling. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a master's in special education. And when we moved back to Charlotte, I was working for a private school Mm -hmm. for um, children with learning disabilities. And my goal and, and role for in that position was to help develop their curriculum, their K through 12 curriculum. At the time, they were only second grade through eighth grade. And every year they were adding a year. Uh-huh. Um, so my, my role was to sort of help them formalize their curriculum and make it match or at least um, make, make it sort of combine with what our our public schools were asking kids to do, not necessarily for them to follow that curriculum, but in order to communicate with families who were coming in from public school and for kids who were leaving the private school to go back. So the teachers would have a very good working knowledge of what was expected in the public school world. Does that make sense? Um, And so, yeah, I did not think I was going to homeschool at all. And, um, Then I had my son, and when he was four, almost five, he was able to start kindergarten because his birthday was really close to the beginning of the school year. Mm -hmm. And I just had my daughter. She was only six months old. And prior to that, I just was, you know, we were just having so much fun as a family, and we were were learning just so much all the time. And it was amazing to watch their light bulb moments. And um, it just became more and more clear based on the way we were raising our children and and we're interacting as a family that school was just going to completely interfere with our lives and and our lifestyle. So I have friends who are homeschooling and what they were doing looked extremely enticing and they seemed so happy and relaxed. And I thought, well, I want a part of that. And so we decided since school didn't start here, well, um, uh, compulsory schooling doesn't start until age seven. I said, you know, let's just give it a go. We don't have to make a decision, you know, forever, right this moment. We can just roll with it and we'll just see how things go. So I talked to my kids about it. I actually talked to Daniel, uh, my son, and just said, listen, you know, here are your options. Here's what we could be doing. Um, we could also do this. And he thought about it. And at one point he really thought he was wanting, he wanted to go to school and try it. And then the closer we got to enrollment, he said, Nope, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> um, and so we stay, he, you know, that was our first year. Um, and we haven't looked back. So as we got started in homeschooling though, with my background, it got in the way a little bit because I thought, well, you know, I helped write a curriculum and, um, you know, I, I worked in the classrooms and, I, and I've worked with kids for as long as I can remember. So I have things I need to teach him. And then he taught me a lot. <laughs> he said, you know, mom, I'm good. I, you don't need to tell me um, when to learn this or, or when to sit and read or, you know, it just became more about the relationship and our um, 
the, the flowing of our day and, and respecting him as an individual, instead of looking at a list of sort of what he's expected or should be doing by a certain age and allowing that to override our relationship. So friends were homeschooling and unschooling. And that's when the, the term, you know, came into our world and, um, and it just made perfect sense. And we watched, I've, I've just seen so many beautiful things happen in their learning um, and their understanding of who they are as people, their development, um, their autonomy, you know, and, and just understanding who they are. And I just feel like if they were sent away every day, we would just not have this great close relationship that we do now. I mean, maybe we would have, but it just, it almost feels like it would have been, there would have been interference for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That there, there would have been, I get interference is a great word. Like there would have been other things pulling on your, on your time and, and, uh, and on your energy. Right. So they wouldn't have as much of the time to um, understand themselves. All, All those interesting things that you're seeing, right with them absolutely yeah mm-hmm. they wouldn't have time to dive into that so exactly yeah i'd like to dive a little bit deeper into that because like you mentioned you've got your masters right in special ed and you've worked in those classrooms so y- you mentioned you know um letting go of the curriculum is being difficult was that was that one of the most challenging aspects of deschooling for you or what did you find Yeah, I do think that curriculum piece was difficult because I had all this stuff in front of me that said, you know, hey, at age five, you should know these words and they should understand this concept in in math. And, you know, what about this science and this social studies? And so there was all this information that I thought, well, gosh, if, you know, there's all this stuff out there that's saying that the kids should have this and am I possibly um, doing my children a disservice by not? getting them to this point. And the more that we lived our day-to-day lives, the clearer it became that that was just arbitrary. You know, it was a, somebody made a decision in some city in some state to say, these things need to be learned. And it's interesting because from state to state, the, the, um, the concepts and they're, they're not always the same, you know, so you can live in North Carolina and go to public school. And if you transfer to South Carolina, their, their rules and their sort of, um, their curriculum might look a little different. Now, obviously common core has come on online and that is, I think the point behind that is to make it so that it is the same across the country. Um, so yeah, the curriculum piece was hard, but I, um, I realized that it just wasn't worth it. You know, we, we had a couple of times where, I remember being frustrated and thinking, you know, what am I doing wrong here? I have this knowledge and, and I feel like my child doesn't even want to hear what I have to say. Um, and that's when it, you know, just became so clear that it was, it was just, um, he was learning, he was doing fine. He was thriving. Um, his, uh, he was reading Pokemon cards. He was probably, let's see, I would say the real big shift for me happened around five or six. Um, and it was kind of like, I don't remember the exact day. It's just more of a feeling. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, he just kind of look on his face. And I remember thinking, wow, I am not being very nice to him right now. Oh. When I think that he needs to, you know, do some worksheet that I found or something online. And, um, and that's when I just backed off and I was like, okay, this is not, this is not the way that I wanted our lives to be. I mean, we, 
were so calm and and I've been so engaging with them from the beginning and then now these these rules that I've I've thought we have we have to push um and so you know I stopped I backed off and and then you know he was really interested in lego building and some of the stuff he would create was just just fascinating you know and he'd get online and he'd watch a video and then he would go into his room and next thing you know he'd come out with something that he built that he saw you know was inspired and then um, he was really into Pokemon cards. And within, you know, a couple of months, he was memorizing full cards with all these really big words. Um, and his concepts of like, you know, science concepts, math concepts, all of those things were just getting better and better. And he'd never, we never sat down and was like, okay, this is how you have to read. You know, he just started reading based on his interest and, Every once in a while, he'd come and say, hey, what does this word mean? Or will you read this card to me? And before you know it, he was reading, you know. Um, so wow. that, yeah, it was, it was neat to to have been able to witness that and to support it. And I'm just very glad that our relationship was as solid as it was so that I could see what I was doing wrong. You know, I was like, oh, I just need to back off. And, <laughs> yeah, and well, I think, it yeah, I think it's so important when we're, when we're making that shift, you know, to be paying so much attention, right. To be looking for all, all the little clues. Like it is, you know, like you said, it was, it was really nothing to do with your son, right. It's, it's not about them. It's about us um, expanding the way we see things, right. Like expanding from that view of curriculum, but you were paying attention to see um, the other learning that he was doing. And I bet, I can imagine in your mind, you'd see him learning something that you knew was in like the grade two curriculum, maybe, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? So it's like, oh, yeah. look, he's learning that and it's okay. And I'm a very checklisty person, you know, yeah. I like charts and I like to visually <laughs> like, see things and check things off. So yes, absolutely. If something was going on, I was like, whoa, well, okay. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, we have to do for the state of North Carolina, we have to do end of year testing. It's, you know, you pick your own test and, and do it. And I'm actually um, able to do the Woodcock Johnson, which is one of the um, standardized tests that are given in a lot of private schools. And so, you know, the first first year we went through the motions and did them. And I was just like, whatever, I didn't care at all what what the test was saying. And then um you know, the next year comes and the, the next year and he's getting more and more confident as it like a, a, um, a test taker, I should say. And even though we just didn't emphasize that very much at all, when I did finally look at the um, results, it just, I really pressed upon, impressed upon the kids not to worry about it. Like it's not important. We just have to do it. It's like kind of a checklist thing we have to do. Mm -hmm. But when I was able to see sort of what they were doing in comparison to what was expected, it was just, again, that sort of obvious, like they're doing just fine. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Not have to be in a classroom seven hours a day, five days a week, um, 175 days a year in order to be an educated, you know, bright person yeah no exactly it's just it's it's kind of mind-blowing isn't it when you just start seeing how 
I mean, on one hand, how easy it is, you know, as in they're just living life. They're just doing what they're interested in. And and it's even getting rid of that, you know, kind of conventional view that kids are, that they need to be forced to learn, that learning something that's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just so many messages that we've absorbed growing up that that we need to work through, aren't there? Absolutely. Well, and that they're just some empty vessel that we have to fill with all of our wonderful adult knowledge. And they're just, they should be just so grateful that we're able to do that. <laughs> so uh, many messages. Aren't there? I know, I know, you know, and, and I think about um, my youngest, she's like I said, 11, but when she was four, yeah, four. Um, so we had some neighbor kids who um, they played with all the time and, and, um, the girl who came over was 10, 11, around, around 10 at the time. And she'd come over after school and come home, come over here and play school with my daughter. Mm. And I always was kind of like, Oh boy, here we go. And, and I just allowed, you know, I just watched it unfold. And one day she came upstairs and said, mom, I don't like playing school with her anymore. And I said, why? And she said, because everybody's always in trouble. I can't talk. And she just went through this list of things. And I thought, Oh my goodness. And, but you know, it, it, it struck me because I felt like this child who was coming over was in a way almost decompressing when she came to our house. It was like, she was reenacting what was taking place in school and in a way kind of like trying to control it a little bit by playing with my daughter who was younger and sort of, you know, the one that looked up to her and, I don't know. I mean, maybe I was reading too deeply into it, but at the same time, it, it just kind of struck a nerve and made me wonder. Yeah. Well, it was know? like she was able to like take on the position of power because during the day yeah. as a student, she had no power. Right. So this right. was a way she could take it over. Wow. Right. Yeah. So that, that ended up stopping. She didn't want to play school anymore. <laughs> she said, That's enough of that. <laughs> so yes, yeah, she, she's the one that, you know, if, if I'm looking at my, my firstborn, you know, he's the one that sort of helped open my eyes and, and just helped me drop all these, you know, expectations I put on myself and on him. And um, he forged the path for his sister to be completely unschooled, you know, from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so, yes, she's we have never done anything remotely close to formal um, instruction unless she's asked for it. Whereas my son had some formal stuff earlier on and, um, and now he, interestingly enough, since, you know, around, I think it was you know, five, six, that time we kind of let all that go. He's now, um, it's signing himself. He wants to, he has signed himself up for classes at our local Y and, um, because he wants to, he wants to take, he, he is actually taking, um, anatomy and bi- uh, wait a minute, anatomy and, um, American literature yeah. on his own. I was like, okay, great. And before that he took psychology, which I personally was so excited about because that's my undergraduate degree. And um, we had a lot of great discussions about, about things, all things psychology. And um, I would, I would say if, if anybody ever, well, I guess if I, not, if I um, broke it down into what sort of curriculum, we, we don't use curriculum. I don't really like that word, but we talk, we just have conversations all the time. And it's amazing the amount of learning that takes place just chatting. Um, 
and not just for them, but for me, you know, listening to how they see the world and what their interpretation of something is and um, having them express sort of their feelings about a scenario that might have played out in their social groups or in our family. And um, so I just think, you know, just talking to our kids is, is so vital. Yeah, that's that's like the whole processing piece, I think, you know, it it really helps them um, to kind of organize and figure out what they're thinking. And that was one of the things that surprised me so much, but I loved so much was how much I learned from my kids. You know, once mm-hmm. I was finally in this open and learning mindset, you know, having worked through the idea that I was supposed to already kind of have learned everything. And now I don't have to learn anymore because I graduated. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but no, no, holy no. cow, we learn so much from them, don't they? They're, they're, they just have, um, well, and you know, it's with, with any person, with any child, when they're sharing their perspective, you know, it's not wrong. And, and it's just so interesting to see how they, as another person put things together, isn't it? It so is. Yes. Yep. And it's, it's, um, you see them as a collaborator and as someone who is going to give you information that you otherwise would not have had if you just bulldoze them and told them how to feel or how to handle something. And, um, you know, that's, that's a part of uh, the process for us in terms of just, you know, mental health, even, you know, I think about unschooling as, as a, as a choice, not just for learning, you know, in the academic sense, but learning as in mental health too, because my kids, I feel like really know their themselves. They understand their bodies. They, you know, they know when they're tired, they know when they need food. Um, they know when they need exercise and they can regulate themselves yeah, I mean, sometimes, of course, they might push themselves a little too far. But again, that's learning. They know, okay, I stayed up way too late last night. Tomorrow, I'm not going to do that. Um, and yeah, and uh, we do that too, right? I mean, oh, of course, right? <laughs> All the time. Yeah. And then we wonder, why are our kids doing that? I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I kind of have done that but this no, week. <laughs> in the moment, it's, it was a good uh, choice, you know? You know? And there were reasons why we made that choice. And it's just, it just even helps us. You know, even if when we look back, we would maybe make another, a different choice or, or if we encounter that situation again, oh, I'm going to remember that and, and maybe, you know, not do that again. But it reinforces our agency, the fact that it was a choice, right? Yes, right. And, that, and just knowing that brings even more for us into the next situation where we have a choice, right? That it. I guess free is the word that kind of comes to mind that we really are free to make these choices. So we want to make them um, as good as we can for us. You know, that's where that self-awareness piece comes in, right? How wonderful Mm -hmm. that they're getting to play with all these things so that they understand themselves better by seeing what happens. Right. Absolutely. And so my son, um, when he was, I, I want to say maybe around 12 or 13, um, there was, this is just such a, to me, I just love this because it just speaks volumes to the fact that, you know, all teenagers are not just going to sleep their days away. You know, it, mm-hmm. and you hear that a lot. Well, if you give them all this freedom, aren't, aren't they just going to lay in bed all day and never do anything? Um, so he was 12 or 13 and he ended up sleeping in until about two o'clock one day. And when he got up, he realized what time it was and was so mad that he missed 
the majority of his day. <laughs> that, that From that point forward, he set his alarm. And he still, at 16, has his alarm set every single day to get up by a certain time. Now, sometimes he may turn it off and say, nope, I'm, I'm really not ready to get up yet. But yeah. for the most part, he will get up and just get his day going because he did not like that feeling of waking up so late in the day. Um, and, you know, this is a child who's never really had to get up at a certain time. He just... He's like, nope, didn't like it. And, um, you know, my 11-year-old now, she's the one that's like, okay, it's 12. Are you getting up today? <laughs> Her body, she's changed so much and growing, you know. Uh, I have a feeling in the next couple of years, it'll, you know, she may follow in his footsteps. Who knows? But but that's a um, wonderful thing, right? It's so individual. It's so mm-hmm. unique, each person. And they get to discover that and find what works best for them. Yep, for sure. For yep. sure. And I think... You know, when we made the choice to homeschool, um, it was not just about the academic part. It was also a lifestyle choice. And we mm-hmm. knew that we didn't want to be stuck to a schedule that really had no flexibility. Um, and it just felt odd to turn over the keys to her freedom to a system that kind of created our schedule for us. And I thought, you know, just from a practical standpoint, it just felt weird, even though I was in that system for so long and participated in it. You know, once it came time for us to sort of embark on that journey, I I just said, um, no, no, let's just wait. Let's just wait. And, um, yeah, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Now you have a great blog post, um, on your website that's titled, you might be ego schooling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, that was a new phrase for me, ego schooling, but you described it so well. I loved it. So I was hoping you could explain that. Well, so, you know, over the years, I've had a lot of opportunity to talk to multiple different families and, and moms and dads um, and family members about about their kids and their, their pursuits. And there just seemed to be a common theme um, with uh, those particular families who just seem to always be pushing their kids. And, um, and, and I, you know, from an outsider perspective could see some of the dissatisfaction and uh, with, with the children and sort of the stress, maybe even in their family dynamics. And, um, and I've, I've certainly am guilty of making decisions for my kids sometimes because I think, Oh, well, that'll be good for them or us or, you know, me, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just was thinking about one day and I thought about, you know, our egos and how they can kind of run the show sometimes. And then, you know, it's like, that's no different for in the, in the schooling side. So um, yeah, I just, I thought about how um, people, tend to push their kids in order to make themselves look better. Um, and my kids are both, well, my son especially was um, in, in, he plays sports and he played baseball for a really long time. And boy, being on the you know bleachers at a baseball game, there's a lot of egos flying. Yeah. And, um, parents who were you know, yelling at their kids and just made me sad. And I was so like, ah, just back off, you know, and, and you could tell they were almost living their unfulfilled lives through their children. And, um, but so, uh, yeah, so it's, you know, a good, so I'll give you, you may read a couple examples maybe. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So you might be ego schooling if, uh, you force your child to stick with an activity or sport she's expressed unhappiness with because it has already been paid for. 
Mm. So money becomes more important than her feelings. Um, and that, that one has touched a few nerves because of the money piece. And mm. I get that in terms of budgets and, you know, if somebody has committed to paying for something and, and um, their child is, you know, um, isn't sticking with it. I can understand sometimes how that can be hard. Um, but if in fact they're just completely unhappy or they realized it's not what they wanted to do, I feel like it's worth talking about and recognizing that, you know what, there's going to be some lost, um, lost money, but then they're going to be preserved as people too. Yeah. I mean, that's almost like, like a sunk cost, right? You, you've already, it's already paid. It's, you know, but now we know more a few weeks later, Mm -hmm. we know now that it's not fitting well, you know, and, and and you could be doing, you know, more damage to your relationship more. And I think of it also, you can be doing more damage um, to even to your child's relationship with whatever that is, say it was a sport or something, Mm -hmm. right? You know, because the more they dislike going or don't like the environment or other people that are there, whatever the issue is, um, you know, that can be spoiling the bigger picture for them. You know, if it's a a soccer team or or a baseball team or, you know, whatever, they can get to a point where they dislike the sport entirely and don't even want to, you know, play it for fun or, or anything like that. It can have such a, a a larger impact than whatever money's left. Absolutely, you know, like, yeah. You can almost think of it. Sure. I'm spending the rest of that money buying, you know, their happiness. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Or, or yeah, and I, I look at it as almost like a um, a donation. You know, it's a donation yeah. to whatever place was you know offering the activity or the sport. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks um, for being there for us to try. <laughs> mm-hmm, for <laughs> you know? sure. And now we're going to yep. step away. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it too. Yeah. And then another one is free play looks like doing nothing and you prefer to schedule your child's day. Um, I've seen that a lot. People really have a hard time with kids just quote unquote, just playing, you know, yeah. um, like play is so vital and so important and um, they're building skill after skill after skill, playing with their friends and roaming and running and adventuring um, because I think we've, ventured so far into the area of we need documentation to, to show and prove that the learning learning has actually happened, mm-hmm. that that's a super hard one for people to embrace and, and believe in because, well, but I, I don't see anything. I don't see a result of, of, of their activity. Of their time. Um, yeah. yeah. And so to me, free play is high on our list and always has been, um, so, and then one other one I'll say is uh, being in the moment is dif- is a difficult concept for you to grasp. Instead, you are planning the next activity and worrying about what needs to get done. Yep. That's a big one too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We're always looking ahead, always looking ahead. Like, well, I think that, that ties into it a bit with, with the last one you were talking about too. And with our, you know, wanting documentation, wanting proof of things, mm-hmm. and and also the whole big story of needing to be productive. Yes, in that needing to produce, but needing to produce something like quickly, because you know mm-hmm. all that free play and everything is can definitely be seen as productive time. In that, 
like you said, they're learning so much. They're gathering so much. There's just so much that's in their head from that, Mm -hmm. that at at some point will definitely make connections with other things. You know what I mean? And and may, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you that it, it's, uh, there's so many executive functionings, like a function yeah. that, that's being built. Um, and, you know, you can break it down. You can look at its problem solving, critical thinking, you know, planning, um, mm-hmm. trial and error. There, there's just so much good stuff that happens while kids are playing. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) And I do, you know, I I, want to say, I can't remember the name of the article, but it was something I saw not too long ago about adding play back into the classrooms. And it just, I mean, it made me laugh because I was like, really, we're, we're now, oh, play, we we can add play back. Like, this is some great, great idea. (laughs) Uh, More play. More play, yes. Play-based curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. right. And I'm like, no, throw that C word out. <laughs> yeah. So just if anyone's interested, just let you know, there will be links um, in the show notes, not only to uh, the website, but also to uh, that blog post. Um, and I wanted to dig just a little bit deeper now, because so... Okay. When we, when we talk about ego schooling and working through, you know, our need to control our children because we're defining ourselves through their actions, right? When they're successful, we, we see ourselves as a successful parent, you know, through their success. So when we manage to work through that layer, there's still more layers to go, aren't there? There's always <laughs> more layers to everything, right? <laughs> So, for example, uh, maybe we see our children trying to do something, right? They're trying to accomplish something, and we want to jump in and help them. Mm-hmm. And and we, we really do. We want to help them. We know that they're trying to get this thing done, and we want to help them do it maybe more efficiently or more quickly or, you know, um, we have more experience with it, so we can do it faster. Um, but it, even though it's not about us, we're trying to help them, but even that can get in their way, can't it? Absolutely. Oh, yes. And we, oh, that is a big conversation in our house um, for letting them just do it on their own timeline. Yeah. And even if, even if it takes 45 minutes, you know, to get from point A to point B, and we could have figured it out in five, we're, we're completely cheating them of an opportunity to piece together those steps that will then be almost hardwired into their minds. And then the next time it'll be super fast. Um, And maybe maybe it won't be the next time, but maybe three times down the line. Um, So for sure. Yeah. That's, that's so important to be okay with messes, be okay with, um, with it not being linear, recognizing that sometimes kids will try something and will go away from it. They'll come back to it. And just because they didn't finish it the first time doesn't mean that they've failed or that they're not motivated or, you know, that they just don't care. It just could be that they need to take a break from it. And, um, and sometimes taking breaks from things, you are still, it's almost like in the background, it's still sort of going on yeah. <laughs> and, and they might be mulling it over in a way that they aren't even really aware of, but then they come back to it and they're like, Oh yeah, okay. got it now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I do that personally. You know, if I'm writing and I just feel like I can't get my thoughts together, I'll just say I got to go for a walk or I need to go sit outside and sit in the swing for a little bit or 
just get some fresh air and try to get my mind off of it. And, um, and sure enough, you know, it, it seems to work like magic. And then all of a sudden the, the ideas will pop back in my head and I'll go, okay, okay, I'm good. And I just feel like kids are exactly that way too. I know. And, and it's, it's sometimes, well, it's surprising when you look back, but, you know, not in the moment, but how adults can, like, that can make total sense for adults, right? And mm-hmm. and I do it too. It's amazing. It's like, okay, I just, I'm stuck here. I'm not making any progress. I'm going to go do something else for a while. And, and you know, even now I'll say, you know, my subconscious is working on it. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm not consciously doing it, but I know, you know, eventually when I sit back down or go back to whatever it was, it will flow better. Something will have clicked, but why we don't um, think that's okay for kids, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. again, that whole dichotomy. kids are different than adults. No, we're all human beings. We all work the same kind of way, mm-hmm. uh, but, but it's a big aha moment when you realize that, that space and that time is so important for kids learning and figuring things out too. Just, just as important as it is for us. It is. And I was able to recognize that early on, but also give them the opportunity to ask me, you know, I'm here if you need me, just Mm -hmm. know I'm right around the corner. Um, and, and they will, they'll ask, Hey mom, where's such and such, or Hey, do you know where I could get this? And, um, would you mind holding this while I cut it? You know, those sorts of things. Yeah, and I'm yeah. physically there when they need it. And then I just leave. Um, and um, a lot of times I'll just ask questions. You know, I'll just say, Hey, what are you, what are you working on? Not because I'm trying to get into their business and tell them how to do it, but because I'm genuinely curious. curious. Yeah. <laughs> many times they'll just go into these great elaborate explanations or they'll come to me with, with more information and say, Hey, I, I found this out or, you know, and so I, I want them to understand that I'm there as a willing listener and participant when they're ready to share and when they're ready to ask for help versus bulldozing them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because then it becomes, like you said, it's, it's takes it away from them. It becomes about me, but it also, I think deteriorates their belief in their own abilities. Yes. Um, you know, I'm not capable because mom keeps coming in and, and doing this for me. And, and she does do it better because she's older and has more, had more experience. Not that they're saying those things to themselves, but that's, but that's the kind of message they internalize just from our mm-hmm. actions though, right? If we keep coming in to check, it's like, oh, they must be worried that I'm not going to be able to do this properly, right? Mm-hmm. That's the message that they can that they can easily get from our actions. I know sometimes I used to like... If I, if I thought the odd time, especially, you know what I'm, it's Lego, Lego kits and, and stuff like that or puzzles, you know, I had the way that worked for me and I would, you know, be sure I would leave the room and say, and I would do that. Hey, if you guys want any help, just let me know, mm-hmm. you know, because I knew I would be too tempted to keep jumping in to do it my way. But it's, it's understanding that our way is our way and it's wonderful for us, but it's not the only way. Yeah. And they also have, um, you know, taught me ways to do stuff that I might not have thought about. Yeah. Um, and I think when we allow for each person to take the time that they need to do what it is, whatever it is that they set their mind to, then we see strengths pop up that we might not have been able to see before. And, or we see, Hey, you know, they're, 
my son, he was major Lego builder and still enjoys it um, every so often. But, you know, he just could look at something and his brain would a- was able to see it in a way that I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. And we'd laugh about it. I was like, okay, well, you've got it figured out. I will hand you whatever piece you need yeah, <laughs> and then you yeah. put it together. Um, <laughs> and, and it's just, and you know, my daughter, she's very creative and artsy and she draws the coolest things. And I'm just, ah, I love seeing the world through her eyes. And and I love to draw too, but I'm so such a different artist than she is. And, um, and yeah, there's been plenty of times where she'll do something. I'm like, how did you do that? Or mm-hmm. where did you come up with that idea? Um, you know, and it's sweet because she just has a little spark in her eyes. Like, Oh, mom wants to know what I'm, you know, and yeah, I just, yeah, but it's, I'm, I really do want to know because, um, you know, she just sees it differently than I do. And I, I love that. And I'm, I'm glad that, that we have that back and forth. Yeah. You know, and I love, I love that phrase you use seeing, seeing things through their eyes. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that it's, it's a spectacular view. Um, and, and it's, it's a shift. It's not like put, it's, it's different from the phrase putting ourselves in their shoes. Right. Mm-hmm. Because when we right. put ourselves in their shoes, we put ourselves in that situation. So we're still seeing it through our eyes, you know, right. with, with all our, our, um, you know, with our strengths and our weaknesses and the way we prefer to do things, we're still seeing that situation through our eyes. But when we see it through their eyes, we see like a whole new world practically, right? They see Mm -hmm. things in such interesting ways. And it's so fascinating to have conversations with them and to chat about it and to hear what they're thinking. It is. So I don't know if, um, if you, if you know this, but my daughter was recently diagnosed with type one diabetes. Oh, I um, did not know. And it was a huge, I, I say in my mind, it's a huge blow to me because that just, it just came out of nowhere. And um, it, you know, we were pretty caught off guard and, and, and sad about it. And, and, and interestingly enough, she kind of knew once, once we figured something was going on with her health that um, she, she knew something big was about to happen. And it was, it was weird. She was just like, I just know mom, I just know something, something's about to happen. And, and it's just, you know, it's not going to go away. So it was just like, she had this intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was being, you know, the mom of trying to comfort her and say, well, well, let's not make any decisions about anything yet. Let's not jump to conclusions. We'll just, let's take it step by step. So when the final diagnosis came down, you know, we were all pretty much like, oh, wow. Um, And, but I said, you know what, we're not going to look at this as like so devastating and now our lives will never be the same. We're just going to take this and start from where we are and what we know, and we're just going to learn and we're going to build on it. And um, she, within the first couple of weeks had already just blowing my mind. Um, her, her dad was giving her her insulin injection and he said, I'm sorry, you have to go through this. And he, she said, dad, it's okay. It's just my new normal, you know? And it's, and then, and then she said something like, I don't want people to think I'm sick. My body just works differently now. Mm-hmm. Um, and those kinds of things. I was like, what, you know, her, uh, just yeah. her foresight <laughs> and, and just so mature, um, and, and so positive. And, you know, I'm not saying she doesn't have bad days and gets frustrated, but overall, she just says, you know what, this is what we have to do. And, and we're just going to, we're going to do it together and it's team effort. And, um, and so I've just appreciated the fact that we live 
it together in a way that is supportive and, and there's harmony and we're able to flex and, um, and change directions as needed, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I think Michael was nine when, yeah, he was, he was nine when he was diagnosed and yeah, it was out of the blue. Um, so your son has type one. Yeah. My youngest. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, she must know. No. Yeah. No. (gasps) Wow. Yes. So, and it was the same thing, you know, it was just, oh, you know, we're, 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 we're flowing with this now, right? There's Mm -hmm. so much, a lot of learning, you know, up, up front and figuring it out. And it was amazing having the time, right? The freedom to be able to dive in and learn about it and and work together to figure things out and like you said the, their attitude was was amazing cuz it was just you know oh so this is just this is another thing you know what i mean yeah. this is because it's it's another thing that that keeps you healthy because you know you don't want to be feeling bad and be feeling sick and so it's it's another i love the way she's you know, described it as, as her new normal now. And Mm -hmm. that was very much the same thing. And, you know, good days, bad days, helping each other out the convert. You've already got that connection, that relationship. So you can have the conversations, you know, how are you feeling with this? What do you want to do with this? You know, it's really amazing. It's just another, I always, you know, cause he can feel in his body now too, when he's going high and low and, and he Mm -hmm. knows like he, and he was already, um, really well in the way because with unschooling, you know, he was already following his body, the way he ate, et cetera. Like how she could feel something was off. Yes, yeah, definitely. It's amazing because they know themselves so well. They know their bodies that well. Well, that's, yes. yeah, that's fascinating. Wow. I had no idea about your son. Yeah, yeah no. that that's, um, it, it, yeah, it's a big turning point. But it, at the same time, like she said, dude, she's funny. She's like, mom, I feel like I'm healthier is healthier now than I've ever been, you know? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> well, and then yeah, he ended up being the one who's, you know, very, he's just a stunt performer now. I mean, he's so mm-hmm. a- athletic and, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't, doesn't stop him from what he wanted to do. It was just, you know, a thing you do alongside everything else. It wasn't, That's you know, right. the end of the world. Oh my gosh. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was, it was August. So, you know, if, had she been in school, it would have been a diagnosis within two to three weeks of her starting school. And I was just like, there's no way, no way, no way. And I'm just thankful that we were already in a position to have the flexibility that we needed to Mm -hmm. um, take it day by day and not have any big expectations placed on us or any schedule to follow. And um, yeah. And we the the way we the the doctors were able to you know um, work on his his program was because you know be, if he was going to school it would have to be a, a completely different thing right and then mm-hmm. then it's very controlled in school and and they don't have access you know but this way he says he's you know, the doctor said and now this was twelve years ago he's like oh we can do the same thing with him that we do with adults. <laughs> Wow. How about that? I like, yeah, that telling. 
and have insulin when he eats and we're all good. You know, it doesn't have to be done by the clock because with school, when they're in school, a lot of the, the insulin management had to be done by the clock and they needed to eat at this time and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that brings up a point about the clock because that's certainly um, something I find um, a problem with a lot of a lot of our society in general, you know, the clock is just very powerful, isn't it? Yeah. And how many people determine how they're going to live their, or, or live their day or do, um, how their day is going to unfold based on time. And while it's of course, you know, important and, and um, respectful for, for people who've put together a plan for something and has a certain window of time to do it, to mm-hmm. show up to things and be prompt. But it is, it is interesting to me that so many people follow such a strict schedule without considering how they're actually feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, keep going. Well, 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 we have to be there and we have to do this and time is now. And, um, I think if, if we, that is probably one big area for me. I know we would have been in so much trouble if we were in school. Because <laughs> I would be like, well, we did something last night as a family and it went longer than we expected and kids slept in and, oh, well, we'll be at school, you know, at 12 today or whatever. And it's just, um, yeah, I, I don't think they would have liked me very much. Uh. <laughs> I know those have tos and the clock, you know, the, it's amazing how people, you know, just use those in lieu of thinking, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, and not even in a negative way, you know, in that this is just, this is what they've known. And then they don't have to think because we've given thinking a bad name, you know, thinking and learning. Those are hard things. I've been told I think too much. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I took it as, as a compliment. Too much, right? I was like, oh, well, <laughs> Even though that's not meant to be a compliment, I'm taking it as one. Exactly. <laughs> now, uh, your website, and I'll have a link in the show notes, uh, letthemgobarefoot.com. I love that name, and I would love to hear the story behind it. How would you come up with that? Well, so when Daniel um, was younger, we spent a lot of time outside. Um, and, you know, as a new mom and somebody who had already been very interested in child development and psychology, I was a big observer of other families and other, other parents and kids. And, um, you know, I just started noticing how many parents got mad at their kids for taking their shoes off and on the playground, you know, in a park in a sandbox, it was just constant. And that, that just stuck out to me over and over again. And one day I, you know, just thought, what is the big deal? Just let him go barefoot. And then I was like, Oh, I really like that name. So it kind of <laughs> stuck in my head for a while and I never, I didn't do anything with it immediately. And then over time as, as I was able to, I, um, I thought, well, maybe I'll just create a page, um, a website where I can explore topics that I'm interested in and that I'm passionate about. And, um, so that's how it came together. And, and it felt to me like the bare, bare feet were symbolic of stripping off that external control. Like, I know my body. I know what I want to do. I just want to take my shoes off. I just want to feel the earth under my feet. And yet I'm being told that that's not right. I'm being told that that's, you know, that's bad for me. Um, And it just felt so much like that, you know, the trust issues that parents have with their children, that my kid doesn't know what he needs. My kid doesn't know what he wants. Um, 
bare feet are, are dangerous. And, um, you know, interestingly enough, my daughter is rarely, rarely has shoes on her feet. And, um, my son was barefoot all the time. I mean, I don't even think we owned a pair of shoes for him until he was like a year and a half old. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it, it just, it just felt like, a a great representation of the power of, um, of trust and trusting, trusting the kids to just do what they felt comfortable and um, comfortable doing. Yeah. It works on so many levels, doesn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> from the, the trust, the choice, you know, the understanding yourself, the like, there's just so many aspects that that represents. I love the name. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so for our last question, I would love to know what your favorite thing is right now about the flow of your unschooling days. Oh, wow. Uh, so I guess because my kids are older, mm-hmm. um, it has really evolved um, to be the mornings are super quiet for me mm-hmm. and I like to meditate and do yoga when I can and drink coffee and think and contemplate life. Um, so it's been, it's been nice to be able to get up in the morning and sort of just have those quiet hours to myself. And, um, and then when they get up and are ready to go, they each have sort of their own ideas about how they want their day to unfold. Sometimes the night before we might have a discussion about what's on tap for the day mm-hmm. and days ahead. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll make a plan if, if necessary for logistics for kids to get to different places. But I just, I just love the fact that we have so much flexibility and if we make a plan to do something and then, you know, it just, if kids get up and maybe they just aren't feeling it, then we can say, no, thank you. Um, or we have friends that we're really close to the very last minute we'll almost always be able to get together with, you know, and that that's really neat. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably my favorite part is just the flexibility of our lifestyle. Um, and yeah. seeing them each gravitate towards the activities that sort of really make them shine and feel good about. So my daughter loves horseback and she, um, you know, I wish she could have a horse and be on it every day. That's just not, not possible right now in the city. (laughs) Um, And my son enjoys soccer and he is a gamer. Um, and he, he really is aware of, um, his physical health and, um, and enjoys, you know, exercising and things like that. So yeah, it's just been really neat to watch that evolution of our day to day and it's the, the hustle of the earlier years or it's not there anymore. I do kind of miss it actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's interesting. There's, there's the flow of the days and, and there's the, the flow of the years, right? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. And, and I think that's a, a great, it, it was a really important and fun thing, you know, about, a lot of our unschooling years was that flexibility to just to be able to respond when something hit our curiosity. Right. Mm -hmm. And to be able to respect times when, when we lost that curiosity, when we didn't feel like doing, doing something. 
you know? It, yeah. It was, or, and I was just going to, I was going to add that, or, or with, if they had lost an interest, have lost an interest in something to not read too deeply into it. Like it's all of a sudden some, you know, psychological crisis. It's yeah. Just like, yeah. They're just not interested right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's not, nothing. You have that bigger picture, right? Nothing in the moment is really a big deal. It's just, it's like a choice right now. Okay. So we'll see where that takes us. We'll see where that goes. You know, whether it's, whether it's moving toward or moving away from something, each uh, a choice in the moment is not the be all and end all of of anything, right? It's not anything right. final. It's just another exactly. piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Missy. I had such a good time. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it too. Thank you for asking me. I have enjoyed your podcast for so long, so I feel honored to be asked. Oh, thank you so much. And before we go, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? Well, I have a Facebook page by the name of Let Them Go Barefoot. Um, I also have Instagram. Um, and then I have a blog by the same name as well. And um, Instagram has been the newest edition, and it's been so much fun. There are tons of unschooling, self-directed families that are on Instagram. So that has been a, a neat avenue to explore recently. Oh, I know. I love scrolling through because it, it's always mm-hmm. fun to see little snapshots of what, what everybody's up to. I love it. <laughs> Definitely. It's a good one. Yeah. I will have links to all those things in the show notes for everybody. And thank you so much, Missy. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the first book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Free to Learn, Five Ideas for a Joyful Unschooling Life. In it, I share the five paradigm-changing ideas that most help me better understand unschooling. Reviewers have said, A quick read, but packed with ideas that challenge the dominant paradigm of our failing approach to learning, this little gem makes an excellent argument for unschooling. And... I was rather doubtful about this book, as I had never heard of the author, but after reading it, I wish that I had read it years ago. I hope you find it helpful, too. Free to Learn has also been translated into French and Spanish. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.